four internal battles that we're all going to face. And and in fact, they're probably battles that at different times in our lives, we'll we'll face them again and again because we have to keep walking in the word. We have to keep staying out of the flesh. We have to keep resisting the enemy. Uh, We have to keep fighting the good fight as uh, Pastor Ralph shared. So I want to talk about many uh, winning some of the internal things that we face as we grow in Christ. You know, the word tells us as a person, as a man thinks in his heart, As a woman thinks in her heart, so are they. You know, so what's happening on the inside is going to be a great determination on whether or not we're walking in the victory in Christ. It's going to be a great determination of what is happening on the outside. And and it's sobering to think we'll never accomplish our outward purpose until we win those inward battles. All right, so we want to make sure that we understand. Uh, In Luke 6.45, it says, "A, A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. So again, we want to make sure that what we say in one respect will will be a deposit back into our heart, uh, but we also uh, can look and get a good indicator of what's going on on the inside based on what's coming out of our mouth when we're when we're not you, you know uh, focused and purposeful. You know, a lot of times that, that's a great revealer. So the voice that we believe will determine the future that we experience. God has his best for us. God has good things for us. He has victory. He has overcoming. All of that is what God has for us. But ultimately, the degree that we march through that is going to be depending on which voice that we're really buying into, which one we're believing in. So every day, would you agree our lives are bombarded with voices that want to bring influence into our lives? And so we have to make a choice. We have to filter, don't we? We have to filter out things that are the flesh, things that are uh, negative, carnal, uh, the demonic voices that that are in the fallen world, that, that are in the enemy's camp. And then instead, we need to embrace the truth of God in Christ embrace it. I love that word. That's a good word. Not just, not just kind of nod to it, but grab on and not let go of it. So for our study tonight, we're going to look at uh, King Saul in the Old Testament. And so if you're, if you're interested and you want to hold a place here, uh, if you have a Bible with you, feel free if you want to turn over to 1 Samuel 9 and 10, just so you know that where it is. And, and I'd even encourage if you're interested, if it's really stirring on your heart afterward, you can even go back to uh, chapter 8 and 9 and 10 and, and just get a little bit of a picture here of, of God's calling of Saul to be king in Israel. Now, there's so many lessons we could pull from this and so many things that, that we could comment on about uh, uh, you, you know, a person's walk with God and, and uh, God's dealing with his people and all these things. But I want to look at his life and his story from the angle of these four internal battles that we all face that we have to win. And, and so let's just get a little bit of background here from 1 Samuel 9 and 10. So we have basically the nation of Israel is crying out to God and they're saying, you know, uh, we want a king too. 
you know, all the nations around us, they have a king. You know, we've had this Moses leading us thing. We've got Joshua leading us here. We've got, you know, these judges that have been doing these different things. We want a king, you know. So, uh, you, you know, Samuel goes to the Lord and the Lord says, well, ultimately they're rejecting my direct rule over them. This is not my best. He said, but, but I'm going to give them a king. And uh, how many know that even in that, God wanted Israel to succeed, you know, God was letting them know, hey, when you, when you live under this system, uh, there are going to be some prices you have to pay when, 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 you're, when you're in a society where there is a king. But nevertheless, I'll give that to you. That's what God, you know, says to them. And then God has Samuel go uh, and, and anoint Saul. And now in the meantime, uh, some donkeys go missing from Saul's household, and he's got to go looking for them. And he winds up having this encounter with Samuel. And, and it's really an interesting study. More, more detail. I don't want to get caught up in the detail here today, but, but God does some really, really powerful things. There's some things that were spoken over Samuel and in chapter 10, verse 9, it says all these signs were fulfilled that day. In other words, a man, he's going out thinking he's doing chores for his home and, and, and he runs smack into God's destiny for him, right? So, uh, you, you know, we go on and we read in the story the 12 tribes of Israel come forth and present themselves before the Lord for the announcement of who this new king is going to be. And it makes it way its way down. Uh, and, and why don't we pick up, we'll actually look here in chapter 10 verses 22 to 24. And so, so they're, they're looking for the, for the king. And it says, so they asked the Lord, well, where is he? And the Lord replied, listen to this church, he's hiding among the baggage. This is the person that is going to be the king over Israel, the first king over Israel, and he's hiding among the baggage. Uh, so they found him, and they brought him out, and he stood head and shoulders above anyone else. And then Samuel said to all the people, this is the man the Lord has chosen as your king. No one in all Israel is like him. And all the people shouted, long live the king. So again, there's much more to this story. It's kind of epic as we look at his whole life journey. Um, but here's the thing. He, he's hiding in the baggage. So, so why is he hiding? Well, you know, Saul had all of the physical standout attributes. You know, I mean, you, they looked at him and they said, ah, now that's a king. You know, and that's why they all got behind it and they stood with him. Um, in the natural, he had everything going for him. But Saul's problem, and, and it ultimately it cost him everything. He was listening to the voices that would contradict the plan and purpose of God in his life. And he did it so much, he did it as a habit that it actually became his downfall. You know, so it's a wonderful thing for us to discern and know what is God's purpose and what's God's will. And as he starts to reveal it to us, but we always, we always have to know there's an enemy that's going to want to steal, kill, and destroy. So we have to be, you know, evaluating and, and making sure, am I following the voice of the Lord? Am I living? Am I thinking in step with what God says about me? Or have I allowed life circumstances and that lie of the enemy to come in and get me off course? Can you say amen? amen. So, uh, unfortunately, Saul, as he was hiding in the baggage, was never able to overcome the emotional baggage uh, that he was dealing with, and it derailed God's plan for his life. Uh, but, but God saw something in him that he didn't see in himself. You know, I, I, I think possibly for many of us, for most of us, we don't realize the depth 
of the wonderful plan and calling and purposes that, that God has placed inside us. I think a lot of times what God sees in us, we have trouble seeing. You know, in one respect, we don't want to be saying, I am so wonderful. God's going to do amazing things through me. You know, we have to make sure that the amazing things through me, the, all the attention and focus is on because of who God is, right? right? But in that process, if we're not careful, we can lose sight and, and begin to get in, into a place where, where we're shackled to lies of the enemy. So, so with that as a bit of an introduction, I want to talk now about these four internal battles that we all face. Number one, uh, at, at one time or another, we can feel inferior, so all these are going to go inward. They're going to be words that start with I-N. All, you know, we can feel less than. We can feel inferior. And if we go to 1 Samuel chapter 9, verses 20 and 21, it says, And I'm here to tell you that you and your family are the focus of all of Israel's hopes. So this is Samuel to Saul. And Saul replies, But I'm only from the tribe of Benjamin, the smallest tribe in Israel. And my family is the least important of all the families of all that tribe. Why are you talking like this to me? I'm using the, new, the, the uh, NLT translation tonight. It's just very kind of plain English here. For, you know, it's literally saying, like, why in the world? We're nobody. My tribe is nobody. You know, we could look at it this way. You know, my, my, my state, you know, there, there's nothing good going on in my state, in my tribe. And, and my family here, there's, there's been nothing extraordinary about my family. Therefore, me, why would you be saying these things to me? You know, here's the thing. We see our inabilities. God always sees the abilities he plays inside us, right? That's why we got to acknowledge here this, this whole inferior, that's from hell, and that'll, that'll push back uh, it, the, the ways that God wants to glorify himself through our lives. So, hey, let me ask a question here, just a little bit of uh, introspection. Uh, is there a destiny that you are hiding from because you have felt inferior? It's not based on your ability, it's based on his ability in you. And he sees what he has placed on the inside of you. And God wants us to stay with a humble heart, but we should not look at another human being like, well, well, they're more spiritual, they're more, more this, they're more that. It's no, each of us is fearfully, wonderfully made by God to walk out a destiny, a good destiny that he has prepared for us. And God gave his approval of you before you were ever born or, had accomp or, or accomplished a single thing. His approval was already on you, right? I, I love this in Jeremiah 1.5. This is to Jeremiah, but it's certainly God's promise for each of us. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. So that there's, there's a word of God's purpose and destiny that he speaks to every one of us that he says, and I knew you before I even formed you, before you were ever born. So God says, I want you, you belong to me, and I do have an amazing plan for your life. That's what we got to grab a hold of and we have to fight for. So we have to have confidence in whose we are. Amen? And we are children of the king. 1 Peter 2, 9. But you are not like that. So he's, everything he's talking about up to this point in this, in this letter. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. 
As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Doesn't that just speak so much purpose and, and, and destiny? In the message it says, but you are, you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. So we're not just saved with a ticket, of, uh, a ticket to heaven and to say just saved, boy, that would be enough, wouldn't it, right? To just know that we have been rescued from our sin and we're going to heaven. But it's more than that. We're actually, we've been adopted into God's family. Ephesians 1.5, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. It gave him great pleasure. Isn't that cool the way that's, that's, that's spelling that out for us? It was God's great pleasure to adopt us into his family through Jesus, through what Jesus did on the cross. So feeling inferior, we need to put that aside. If there's anybody here tonight that, you know, maybe Holy Spirit is putting that to light that you're realizing, maybe I felt some of that, you're, you're inferior to, to no one. We, we are all God's children. We all have great purpose. And those are just lies from the enemy for us to kick out. And once those things are kicked out, then we can look and say, so Lord, what is, the, what is it that you've put inside me to do? And we can just run after it. All right, the second one that we'll look at tonight, the second internal battle uh, that we have to win is, is that battle where we wrestle with insecurity. So inferiority, you know, is, you know, these are similar, similar words, similar things that are going on, but insecurity is a little bit different. You know, feeling less than versus just feeling shaky, right? King Saul wrestled with insecurity big time. Come on, we've, we've all dealt with it at one time or another, right? And there could be maybe different times and seasons where that would try to come back. 1 Samuel 18 verses 7 to 9 says, this was their song. Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. That's what they were all singing, you know, just kind of screaming out, chanting, you know, uh, and it made Saul very angry. And, and Saul says, what's this? They've credited David with ten thousands and me only with thousands. Next, they'll be making him their king. So from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. All oh, mercy. He went from inferior saying, what, what are you talking about? Me become king? No way. And now he's at the point where he's saying, oh, look at this guy over here. Oh, 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 wow. They're liking him better. I better keep an eye on him and jealousy, man, it can just get ugly, right? And his insecurity led him to pursue killing David. He actually got into madness because of his jealousy and his insecurity. Uh, when Saul, church, hear this. When Saul compared himself to David, that's when he felt insecure. Here's the lie from the enemy. Compared to everyone else, you don't measure up. Maybe the lie sounds like this. Compared to so-and-so and so-and-so, you don't measure up. You're not strong enough, smart enough, talented enough, wealthy enough. Whatever enough it is, that's the lie. The truth is we have to have confidence in what we can do through Christ who strengthens us. It's, it's, it's an entirely wrong thing to be focusing on what God is doing through somebody else. 
I'm not to be comparing myself to what's happening with some other person. I am to be comparing myself with where I was today so I can move on into greater pursuits in who God called me to be tomorrow. Right? Amen? And we let go of all of that comparison stuff. What an ugly trap that that is. We can do... uh, all things through Christ who strengthens us. And at the end of the day, we can't be anybody else but who God called us to be. But going back to our first point, who God called us to be is enough. And and I tell you, I don't know if you've ever heard this. Sometimes people call it, you know, being comfortable in your own skin. Sometimes people call it this, learning to find your voice. You know, I, I know early on as a youth pastor, I felt very, very tempted when I saw, you know, like the, the ultra successful youth pastors, you know, and found myself trying to copy their voice. And you want to know what? It, it, it was dead. It had no anointing to it. You know, really, really kind of foolish and silly. And I can remember then trying to discover my own voice and then feeling inferior in my own voice. Oh, well, I'm not reaching as many. And oh, well, maybe this isn't as effective. And I tell you what, I I had to walk through a journey of God freeing me from those things. And church, I can remember the day that I recognized that I was finally on the inside, not making apologies for who God wired me as and who I was. I was free at last. That in, In my own shape, I found God's voice in me and I didn't have to apologize to anybody for it. I just had to run the race that God marked out for me. It, it was so freeing and so healing when I recognized that, that it was just worship and tears coming down my, fra- my, my face. You know, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Just a freedom that, that, that you only have to discover who is it that God has called you to be fearfully and wonderfully made. Philippians 4.13 says, you can do everything through Christ who gives you strength. Jeremiah 17.7, but blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. Man, when we're anchored in him, when we trust in him, when he is our confidence, then we're really going to see the plans of God continue to unfold in our life. Insecurity will make us wonder about our self-image, our abilities, our future, our past, our relationships, our walk with God. Uh, We should pursue God's personal plan and potential for us. And and, and again, not, not looking at anybody else, but looking at our former self because we're to grow from faith to faith and from glory to glory. So it all, all ought to be. So here's the exciting challenge. Let me, let me just, just ask it this way. So how much has God placed inside you? How many know? We don't know. It's just about being faithful and then being faithful and then being faithful and then trusting him and walking out his plan and walking out his plan. And I'm not talking about, you know, his plan to make us bigger and better and famous and this and that. I'm talking about more and more how there, there is no limit to running after growing into God's grace and God's plan until we're done with our mission and our assignment and we see him face to face someday, right? So, uh, Philippians 1.6, I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Isaiah 54.17, now, now here's the thing, now in light of all, all of this truth that we're talking about here, in the Amplified, Isaiah 54.17, no weapon that is formed against you will succeed. 
And every tongue that rises against you in judgment will be condemned. Because how many know the enemy will work through the voice of people to say, who do you think you are? Right? You can't be that. You can't this. You can't. That, that was what, what David's brothers were saying to David when he looked at Goliath and said, man, he's got to fall. He's defying the armies of the living God. We are his covenant people. I can't lose here. You know, so he's in faith and he's just running after, daring to believe that God is who he said he is. And here come his brothers. Who are you, Mr. Big Shot? Why don't you just pipe it down a little bit, right? They got upset about it, you know? So any tongue that rises in judgment will be condemned. This peace, righteousness, security, and triumph over opposition is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And this is their vindication from me, says the Lord. How's that for having our confidence in him, right? We're just absolutely having our confidence in him. So, so here's a challenge on this point. If you knew there was zero chance that you would fail, what would you try that you're not stepping out and trying right now? I mean, if you just had a guarantee that there was zero chance that you would fail. God looks at failure, if nothing else, as opportunities for us to learn and grow. God uses them as opportunities for him to, to reveal his redemptive nature and character. There's things that we learn through the process of failure. But I tell you, in, in our world and in our culture, it's treated like failure is fatal. And so a lot of times that just stops us from, from wanting to step out. Insecurity, what if I fail? What if it doesn't work? What if it falls through? Well, you know, what if God is who he said he is? And we run after that. And we just make the decision that no failure really isn't fatal. And, and we'll just trust that what God has called us to do, he has enabled us to do. Can you say amen? All right, number three, we are told, and we got a battle against this, we're told we're inadequate. You know, so whereas one place less than, this is talking more about, hey, you're just not enough. The lie from the enemy, you're just not good enough. You don't have what it takes, so why try? A great biblical picture, an example here is Gideon. You know, uh, the, the angel appears to Gideon and says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now, mind you, right, we know the story. If you know the story, he's, he's hiding in a wine press. You know, and he's given this truth and, and uh, in Judges 6, 15, uh, but Lord Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh and I'm the least in my entire family. He sounds very similar to Saul, right? What we just looked at there. Um, here's the thing. We look at our past, our, our upbringing, our experiences, our mistakes. How could God use me? The entire plan of the enemy is to cause us to question ourselves to question what God said, to question the things he's put inside us, to question God's very ability. But here's the thing, church, God sees Christ in you. That's what God sees. So when we're having this battle, the truth is you are equipped, you are empowered. And a lot of times we read in scripture, how do they know they're equipped? How do they know they're empowered? Oftentimes in scripture, it's as they went. You know, God's glory, God's power, God's anointing, God's provision showed up as they needed it. 
You know, we, we've, been, we've been given this precious, precious opportunity to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, to be immersed in the Holy Spirit, endued with power from on high. And what's the purpose of that? So that we can be witnesses, whether it's in Jerusalem, you know, that's Tom's River, you know, uh, you, you know, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, even out into the ends of the earth, that God has given us his spirit. You know, when we embrace that as a doctrine, but we are not about living as a witness, we shouldn't wonder why we don't see power. Amen? Right? It's, we, we don't seek it because it's, it's, it's a perk. You know, we seek the, the infilling, the baptism in the Holy Spirit because it's the power we need to be witnesses in a dark world, to literally be driving back the kingdom of darknesses, to have, to darkness, to have God's power manifest and working in our lives. So uh, he, Hebrews 13, 20 and 21 here, talking about us being equipped and empowered. It says, now may the God of peace who brought up from the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an, an eternal covenant with his blood. May he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you, through the power of Jesus Christ, every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen. Man, that, that's a great, great prayer for us to be praying. So, hey, I would ask you here on this third point, the, the, the question for us to think on, um, what are you facing today where you need to step and say, all right, God, you've equipped me for this. I'm believing you for that. I'm stepping into it. I'm, I'm, I'm walking it out. All right. And then the fourth one we'll look at. Can you say amen tracking so far uh, on, on these three internal battles? The fourth one that we have to win here is the struggle with intimidation. So now let's take another look back at how intimidation impacted King Saul. And, and this is a spot where uh, on his destiny and his journey with, with the Lord, man, it really, really moved him off course. So it's in uh, chapter 15, verses 1 to 3. One day Samuel said to Saul, It was the Lord who told me to anoint you as king of his people Israel. Now listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies has declared. I have decided to settle accounts with the nation of Amalek for opposing Israel when they came from Egypt. Now go and completely destroy the entire Amalekite nation, men, women, children, babies, cattle, sheep, goats, camels, and donkeys. Uh, and so, th so this is the, the command that's given of the Lord. That's, if we go down to verse 8. And now, so, so this was the instruction from the Lord through Samuel uh, to, to uh, King Saul on what Israel was to do. Let's look now at what King Saul actually did. He captured Agag, the Amalekite king. So notice, just, just, just to make it clear, God's instructions were not to capture the king. God's instructions were, you're an instrument of my judgment and my wrath. This is old covenant, right? So th this, is, this is how uh, Israel was worked. Um, and Saul instead captures Agag. It says in verse 9, Saul and his men spared Agag's life and kept the best of the sheep, the goats, the cattle, the fat calves, and the lambs. Everything, in fact, that appealed to them. So, so it, based on what we just saw in those first verses, they're, they're not listening at all to what God called them to do. It says they destroyed only what was worthless or of poor quality. 
So boy, they started getting selective, you know, the buffet of picking and choosing what would they, what they would listen of, you know. So God goes on, now we jump down to verse 11. God goes on and says, I'm sorry that I ever made Saul king. Wow, I gave him this destiny. Now I'm sorry I did it. For he has not been loyal to me and has refused to obey my commands. Now we go down to verses 17 and 18. Samuel tells Saul, although you may think little of yourself. Are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel? The Lord has anointed you king of Israel. And the Lord sent you on a mission and told you, go and completely destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, until they are all dead. Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Why did you rush for the plunder to do what was evil in the Lord's sight? Saul doesn't humble himself. He doesn't repent. You know, uh, Saul defends Saul justifies. Verse 24, then Saul admitted to Samuel, yes, I have sinned. I have disobeyed your instructions and the Lord's command for I was afraid of the people and did what they demanded. This is his excuse. So yes, he acknowledges his sin, but he doesn't acknowledge it in in a repentant. Yes, I did wrong, but here's why. I've got an excuse. But now please forgive my sin and come back with me so that I may worship the Lord. But Samuel replied, I will not go back with you since you have rejected the Lord's command he has rejected you as king of Israel. Now, interesting, I don't have the scriptures up for this, but it even goes on to say, Saul is so, so off course here that after God basically is saying to to, to Saul, man, you disobeyed me just one too many times here. I, I, I can't walk out. You can't walk out the great destiny that I had for you. Saul's response to Samuel isn't, see, David screwed up big time, right? We read about that. But David got on his face and he repented. We read it in the Psalms, against you and you alone have I sinned and I repent and I ask for your mercy and I'm in your hands. I'm all yours, God. And that was a guy that that even though there was consequences, God could work redemptively in David's life and bring him back onto course for his plan with him. Saul, do you know what he goes on to say after Samuel does all of this? uh, uh, King Saul grabs onto his robe, onto Saul's robe and it tears. You know, and you know, you're messing with a prophet here, and the prophet says, you just illustrated what God did. He's tearing the kingdom out of your hands. Just like you tore my robe, God's tearing the kingdom out of your hands. What does Saul do? All right, all right, all right. Samuel, when we walk down the mountain in front of the men, walk with me. So he didn't even care that everything was tanking. He was more intimidated by what the men would think about him than what God had just dropped in his lap. Wow. Can you say amen? That's crazy, crazy, heavy-duty stuff. That was all because he let his inferiority, all of these other things that we mentioned, and now intimidation uh, cause him to conform to bend, to alter course or direction. And that's the lie of the enemy. Well, just there's the pressure. So bend a little bit, conform a little bit, you you know, give into it. But you want to know what, church? The truth is you are bold and courageous in Christ. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. So when that opportunity to be intimidated comes along, glory to God, the, 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 the courage in the Holy Spirit will rise up for you to be able to walk out what God has called. Proverbs 28.1, the wicked run away when no one is chasing them, but the godly are as bold as a lion. 
Man, this is for somebody tonight because I am getting so fired up looking at this. 2 Timothy 1.7 in the Amplified, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or cowardice or fear, but he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of sound judgment and personal discipline, abilities that result in a calm, well-balanced mind and self-control. I love the Amplified. It just puts all the, paints all the colors of the words in the Greek that, that you know, sometimes we need more English words to, to spell it out. So he, here's the thing about intimidation. It's dependence upon ourselves. When we're intimidated, it's because we have forgotten that we need to lean on God and how big God is. It winds up being something where we're depending on ourselves. But boldness comes from a dependence upon God. Fear is surrendering, surrendering to God's plan for the inferior plan that the devil has laid out. Can you say amen? Amen. So as we wrap up this message here tonight, how many understand just, just from what we laid out here, you know, we've got this journey. We, we, we step in as, as believers in Christ, you know, brand new, born again, babies in Christ, and we start to grow up in God. And there's this grace that we walk in. How many experienced that grace when you were a, a baby Christian? Man, you know, as I look back, there was, there was so much that God worked in my life that was so despite me, not because I was cooperating with how he was telling me to live. How, how is that different than what, what Saul just did, Jim? It was a clueless baby versus knowing, calculating, rebelling, and disobeying, right? And as we grow up in Christ, then we have to make that decision. Remember at the end of the day when it's all said and done, it's, it's a we walk by faith and not by sight. And there's so much that the enemy is going to do to try to appeal to that whole sight side of things. So just as we get ready to close here, just, you know, what has God put on your heart? Have you dreamed dreams in Christ that just seem miles away because these battles have been raging on the inside? Maybe tonight is the night to say, no more, enemy. I am just flat trusting God. And you want to know what? It's an easy burden and it's an easy yoke because if it's bigger than your ability, then God just has to do it, right? I mean, it's actually, you know, if you're in over your head with what God's called you to, to do, it doesn't matter if you're an inch over your head or a mile over your head, God's still got to do it. And we can just rest on him to do it. We have to obey, we have to listen, and he's going to teach us how to do that and he'll walk us through that. But man, that intimidation that comes from the enemy, the inferiority, uh, the insecurity, these are all different things that will wind up paralyzing what God wants to do in our, in our lives. And I tell you what, this is across the body of Christ. You know, there are people that are still walking in their old identity. They're just so glad that God has saved them and that they're going to heaven, which is awesome, but then they've stopped there. And they've let go of, but God has made you brand new in Christ Jesus. And you're royal, you're kingly, you're priestly. And now you're an ambassador uh, as though God were speaking through you, right? It says in the scriptures. Each and every one of us, from whoever would consider themselves a part of, you know, life circumstance that gives them great opportunity, or whether it be somebody who would say, man, I feel like there's been no opportunity and there's nobody in the world to influence. God has a way of getting his will done. Isn't it staggering to realize, man, the thing that will hold back his will getting done is if we don't believe he actually wants to do it through us. 
Can you say amen? Man, I just feel like, I feel like there's something for somebody tonight. I don't know, maybe somebody watching online. Amen. Maybe somebody who's, uh, somebody who's listening at, at, at a later time and, you, you know, it, it's a time for your dreams to reawaken in Christ. It's a time to re-grab a hold of your identity in Christ. It's a time to stop looking at what this person does or doesn't do or what this person has become or not become and just for us to say, Lord, what is the race you've marked out before me? And God, I want to lay aside the weights. I want to lay aside the sins. You know, for those that would be struggling with sin that keeps coming back and keeps coming back, there's no greater way, uh, no greater motivation to cast off the besetting sin that so easily entangles than to know you're running a race, right? I heard somebody word it this way, when, when you got a bigger yes to say yes to, it's a whole lot easier saying no to the things that would be weights and sins that would trip us and that would entangle us. Can you say amen? Praise God. So, hey, I just want to close in prayer tonight. Um, I just want to give us an opportunity. Why don't we close our eyes and, and, and bow our heads here and, um, you know, not to rush through. I just want to pause for, for a moment. Just, uh, again, even if we're, you know, watching online, just to try to silence any distraction that might be around. And I just, just want to give us an opportunity to do some reflecting on, on these things that we looked at here tonight. I'd love to see the lies of the enemy exposed. I'd love it to be that there are folks that would turn and say, wait a minute. Oh, devil, you've been at work. Caught you. Get out in Jesus' name. Inferiority. Insecurity. Inadequacy. Intimidation. Some of this could have even been stuff that you were trained in early on in, in your years in your life. And God would say, I, I, I want to break that off. That has nothing to do with where I'm taking you. I just want to give a moment for us to bow our hearts. And, and again, as we prayed in the beginning, to just invite Holy Spirit, go deep. What would you attempt if you knew you couldn't fail? How much has the Lord placed inside you? And then you're willing to go on that adventure to say, Lord, let's just walk it out. It's all for your glory. It's all for your good purposes. God, let's just go after it. It's all yours. I give it back to you. Work in me. And then the, if, you're, if you're a competitive person, you compete against the you that you used to be to become more of the you that God has called you to be. And here's the beautiful thing when it's, when it's not from a place of trying to earn God's love because you know he already loves you, then it's just about stewardship and, and, and going all out in these precious days that we have on earth. They're not many until we step into eternity. And God's given us this, this, this incredible opportunity to be his instruments to see his kingdom come, to see people saved, to see people healed, to see people delivered, to allow people to see what the living God is like as we pursue him. So Holy Spirit, I pray, expose every place where the lies of the enemy are still lurking. Lord, where this battle has been going on. Lord, I pray any place where the enemy has gotten the upper hand 
Again, as we said just a moment ago, you're, you're canceled, you're found out, you're exposed, your power is broken in Jesus' name. And I pray, Holy Spirit, would you just bring a, a fresh infilling of your spirit to your people tonight? Would you just fill us to overflowing? God, we're so grateful that you've told us that you've given us the mind of Christ. So let it be your thoughts. Let it be your paradigms, your principles, your kingdom ways, your heart, your character that's, that's, that's in how we think and how we process. Thank you, God. Thank you that you've broken inferiority wherever it is in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you that you've broken insecurity wherever it is in the name of Jesus. Lord, even to that point, Lord, anybody who doesn't know their voice, doesn't, isn't comfortable in their own skin, who you created them, who you called them to be, God, I pray, move in power. God, move in power in those lives till they find that place of freedom to say, I'm, I'm just walking out who you've called me to be and I'm running after it and oh, it feels so good to be free. Lord, we break inadequacy in the name of Jesus. Hmm. And we break intimidation in the name of Jesus. You have no power here in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, you're so welcome. You're so welcome. Fill your people. We humbly ask. Thank you, God. Holy Spirit, we reverence your presence. We welcome you. Do house cleaning on the inside every place where it's needed. Do house cleaning in our mind wherever it's needed. Thank you for exposing lies. Thank you for breaking lie habits and patterns in the lives of your people. Thank you for breaking generational curses in the name of Jesus. We're just generational patterns. Heritage patterns, whatever they would be. Thank you for breaking those now, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Every life experience that your people here have had that has created a wrong picture Lord, we pray those things broken in Jesus' name. Take what's crooked, what's broken, what's wounded, and straighten it, heal it, work in those settings, God. Bring light, bring revelation, bring illumination, God. Every strategy of the enemy in these areas we call broken. Mm. It's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray all these things. Amen. And we thank you, God. We thank you, God. We thank you, Lord God. Amen. Amen. Was anybody getting spoken to here tonight? Was, was anything where God was uh, kind of leaning into wherever you're at here tonight? Amen. I pray that that was an encouragement to your heart. I just, just want to encourage you as we go away, leaning back in uh, to fighting that good fight of faith. The enemy wouldn't sit idle. 
You know, he's still out there looking for whom he can devour, but he doesn't have authority over you. He doesn't have authority over me. And the way we keep him at bay is we take that lie and we smack it with the truth. We speak the truth of God's word and we just keep speaking it and speaking it and speaking it. And, and especially if it's been a lie pattern, I just feel to kind of just touch in on that for a second. If it's been a pattern lie that just easy to fall back into, just keep hammering it th- with the word until the word becomes the pattern. It doesn't matter how long you've been dealing with that either. God's word is greater. It's greater than how long that's been at work. God has ultimate freedom and victory for each of us. Can you say amen?